Let's talk a little bit about whether we're supposed to run or not this morning. And our passage of scripture today is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Let's read those. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's begin by focusing on that little phrase, the race that is set before us. There is a race that has been put in front of us. So exactly who is us? I mean, is it everyone or just a few of us? Now, some of you have an aversion to the words race or run, so you're thinking, oh, please don't let it include me. Well, unfortunately, sorry, it does. Because us is referring to believers. Hebrews was written to believers, so if you're a believer, the race has been placed right in front of you. Which leads us to the next question. What is this race? Well, this race is the race for the cause of Christ. You see, once we give our lives to Christ, it's not ours anymore. Our cause becomes Christ. And it's not about ourselves anymore. It's about living for Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the starting point of this race is the day of our salvation. And the finish line is when we see Jesus. And that may be when this life is over for us here on this earth. Or it may be during the rapture. Woohoo! I'm pulling for the rapture. But regardless, whenever it takes place, it will be glorious. So if a race has been placed in front of us, what do you think we're supposed to do with it? Well, no maybes about it. This verse tells us we're supposed to run. The last part of that verse says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So how's this race for the cause of Christ going for you? Some of you may say, it's going great. Others of you would say, not so great. Some of you may be thinking, I didn't even know I was supposed to be in this race or that there even was a race in front of me. And others of you, maybe you started the race, but along the way, you really don't even care about it anymore. Well, since this race has been designed by God, I would say that he's going to be our coach, right? Because no one wants us to succeed more in life and win this race than God. So this morning, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, and we're going to see what God has to say to the runners in this race. So if you're a believer, say, this is for me. This is for me. I'm talking to myself as well. First of all, God wants to encourage us. Isn't that just like God? I'm so glad he's an encourager. He starts us off with a word of encouragement. He knows this race is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult at times. In fact, we're going to get weary, we're going to get tired, and there may be a place and time when we just want to give up. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, that makes you want to just get right out there on the track and go, doesn't it? 
But that's how it is. If we desire to live a godly life, we're going to undergo persecution. Look at the first part of that verse again. It says, therefore, since we have, been, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. That word, therefore, connects the previous passage of Scripture to the current passage of Scripture. So this cloud of witnesses surrounding us is referring to those who have just been described in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. These witnesses aren't just spectators who are standing around watching us, although they may be. These witnesses are examples for us to look at. They witness to us because they've been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt that we can and should be diligent to run this race for the cause of Christ. Hebrews was written in approximately 64 AD when Jewish believers were undergoing persecution by their own countrymen for their conversion to Christianity. And I'm sure many of them were wondering if they could keep the faith and finish the course because of the persecution. So God encourages them by reminding them of the vast multitude of people who have been described as heroes of faith, who have undergone tremendous difficulties, persecution, and trials, even death. But they accomplished great things for God, and they kept the faith. He says to them and to us, look at Abraham, look at Noah, look at Moses. Look at the guy who was sawn in two. Maybe it was a girl, I don't know. But whoever they were, they're in there. All because they kept the faith in running the race. All believers are going to go through difficult times. And God wants us to know that you can make it. Because there are those who have gone on before you who have done it. Everyone needs a source of inspiration. Who inspires you? Well, besides these heroes of faith in the Bible, there are people who inspire me today. Doug Dennis inspires me. Doug is a missionary that our church supports in Venezuela. And he will travel sometimes for two weeks on foot and by donkey to get to remote Indian tribes who have never even heard the name of Jesus. Talk about beautiful feet. He inspires me. The Gideon in Africa, who travels 40 miles on foot with a backpack of Bibles strapped to his back to give to people who don't know or have God's word. He inspires me. The Christians who sit in prisons today because of persecution for their faith, they inspire me to keep running the race for the cause of Christ. Who inspires you? There are people you just need to look around. They're in the Bible, and they're in the world today. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 9 says, But resist him, talking about our enemy, the devil. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I love that passage of Scripture, because when I go through something tough, this scripture reminds me there are people who have or are going through the very same thing that I am, and they're winning. And because they're winning, I can win too. God says, be encouraged. You are not in this race alone. And there are those who have gone on before you, and there are those in the world today 
who are running the race for the cause of Christ, and you can too. The second thing that our coach tells us to do here in this passage of Scripture is how to run the race effectively. You see, sometimes we're running the race, but we're not running our best pace. In fact, we've become sluggish, maybe even slowed down to a walk. We're not motivated anymore for the race, and we're just kind of walking along, going through life, and it's a struggle to live for God and to do what he's called us to do. Well, God shows us a couple of things in this passage that may be contributing to this problem of slowing down in our race. Let's look at the middle of verse 1 again. He tells us to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Two things that keep us from running the race effectively are encumbrances and sin. That word encumbrance means a bulk or a mass. In fact, the King James Version translates it as a weight. Now, this makes sense, obviously. Everyone knows what extra weight does to a runner. It slows them down. It impedes their progress. Well, we also have encumbrances that weigh us down in life, things that hinder our progress in this race for the cause of Christ. So let me ask you this morning, what is it that weighs you down that keeps you from running this race the way that you know you should? Is it a relationship? Are you dating someone you know you shouldn't? Are you hanging out with friends that you know you shouldn't? In fact, these people aren't even in the race. So you're making compromises that cause you to get off the track and be sidelined because of them. They're weighing you down. Is it material possessions? Does the quest for the new car or the big house or money in general take priority over God? Does your checkbook reflect your obedience to God or your desire for the things of life? Is it weighing you down? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it something from your past? Well, you see, not all encumbrances are bad things. Hobbies are a good thing. You can love to fish. But if fishing starts taking a priority over God, then that hinders your relationship with God. And then the second thing that he tells us impedes our progress is sin. <clears throat> no surprise there, right? In fact, it says that it's this, the sin that so easily entangles us. A runner does not wear a robe to run in. That would just be silly. Because that robe is going to be wrapped around your legs and your feet. It's going to trip you up and you're going to fall. You're not going to run an effective race with a robe. In fact, runners, if you look at professional athletes and athletes that compete in the Olympics, you know, I had um, emailed Jason Proctor and said, about how much does that clothing weigh? And he said, it can weigh under a pound, all of it. Shoes, shorts, shirt, because they want to have as little as possible on so that they can run the most effective weight race that they possibly can. Well, let me ask you, what easily entangles you? Because that's what sin does to us too. It wraps around us and keeps us from running the race that we need to. So maybe for you, is it pride? Do you think you have a better handle on how to control your life than God does? Is it anger? Are you a hothead who does and says things that hurts the relationships around you? Is it unforgiveness? 
You see, unforgiveness leads to bitterness, and bitterness is a poison. No one poisons himself if they want to run a race effectively. Is it lack of self-control, jealousy? I don't know what it might be for you. But whatever it is, whether it's an encumbrance that's weighing you down or a sin that is entangling you, God says, lay it aside. And he says, you lay it aside. Because you see, no one else can do it for you. I can't come and take that off of you. You have to lay it aside. Figure out what it is. Ask God today, God, I'm, I'm not where I once was. I know I'm not running the race like I know I need to be. What is it that has slowed me down? Is it an encumbrance? Is it a sin? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you and then lay it aside. These things need to be stripped off and left behind so that we can run the race with endurance, God says. Run the race with endurance. And the reason we need endurance is because this race is not a sprint. This race is a marathon. And without endurance, you cannot run a marathon. Now, in May, I ran a half marathon, as my husband already towed off on me, so I may as well use the example a couple of weeks ago. But in May, I ran the half marathon in the Jinx Aquarium Run. Now, I have never run a half marathon before. So uh, two weeks before this race, I decide I'm going to do it. Nothing like a lot of planning, right? And uh, I run every day, but I call myself a maintenance exerciser because um, I don't really push myself. I have a pace that I'm accustomed to, and I just kind of, I run for time, 30 minutes, and then I, I basically exercise to stay in shape, but I don't exercise to compete in races or to improve my time or anything like that. I, I just kind of get out there, do my thing, and go back. In fact, at this race, there were two girls who were running together, and they had matching pink T-shirts, and on the back they had written, we move our feet because we like to eat. And I thought, yes, that is why I do it too. I need one of those T-shirts. So I followed them for a while because I was, I was so uh, just enamored by that T-shirt and what it said. I thought, okay, I am not the only one. People get it. You know, eat, exercise. I can do the exercise so I can have my cheesecake. So anyway, um, I've done the Tulsa run a few times, which is a longer distance, but it's been four or five years because Arkansas always has a football game on the Tulsa run day, and this year is no exception. They have another game on the Tulsa run day. So in my house, you know what takes priority. We're going to be at the ball game. Now, in my mind, I've always thought that the challenge to a long-distance run would be the cardio part, going for, you know, two hours or more. That, that would be the tough part. But I found out it was something completely different for me. So two weeks before the race, I, I thought I should go for a long, long run to make sure I can do this. So I set out, and because I kept my regular pace, the cardio part wasn't really a struggle. So I just kept running. And I ran for nearly two hours. Stupid, stupid girl. Because about an hour into it, which what that means is I park my car like at the Dollar Tree and run up the bypass. An hour away from my car, my thighs are a little stiff. And I've got a place on my toe that's rubbing. And my shoulders are aching from being in this, holding my arms up in this position for longer than 30 minutes like I'm used to. But I thought, ah, no big deal. I can do this. Well, about 15 minutes away from my car, I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Going out an hour, I'm not used to doing this. 
I'd like to say it wasn't the cardio part. And I thought, goodness sakes alive, I hope I can make it to the car. But I was determined I was not going to walk. I was going to jog it on in. So by the time I got home and later that day, getting up and out of a chair was not fun. In fact, it was really uncomfortable. My whole body was stiff. And I had a big blister on my toe. And it was not good. Because you see... uh, I didn't realize that my body was not conditioned to endure that distance. It wasn't the cardio part that I had to worry about. It was my physical body. So I had two weeks to condition my body to endure that distance because you see, that's the only way you build up endurance is you keep doing it. And so it is in life. We've got to stay the course and keep running the race so that we build up the endurance we need to finish the race. And sometimes that means pushing through when it gets painful. Sometimes that means pushing through when people disappoint you, when people betray you, when people do things that hurt you, when the church doesn't do what you want it to do or you think it should do. Whatever it is, that obstacle in front of you, you got to keep your eyes focused on finishing the race and build up some endurance so that you push on through all of those things and keep running the race. Pain is part of competition. And if you quit every time there's a little bit of pain, you're never going to finish the course. God says run the race with endurance. And then there's one more thing that God tells us in this passage of Scripture. If you want to run a great race and reach the finish line, then focus on Jesus. Let's look at the first part of verse 2. He says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That word fixing means to take your eyes off of everything else and place them on something. Fix them on something. Focus on something. Runners, God says take your eyes off everything else and focus them on Jesus. You see, Jesus has already run this race that's been placed before us. Don't you want to follow somebody who knows the course? Then let's follow Jesus. And he followed the course with joy, even though it included pain and suffering, because he had a goal, our salvation. And he wasn't going to quit, and he wasn't going to give up. Around mile eight of this race that I ran, my left calf tightened up. I don't usually have calf issues, but then again, I don't usually run for, you know, more than 30 minutes. And I thought, oh boy, I don't know if I can do this for five more miles. But I thought about my goal, and I kept running. Because you see, I ran this race for my daughter, Micah. Micah was working towards a very difficult goal. And so I told her that I wanted to run this race on her behalf. I wanted to do it for her. In fact, I wrote a little card and I put for Micah Joy and all I had at the house was duct tape. Good old handy duct tape, but it works. I duct tape it to the front of my shirt so I could have her with me and remind myself of why I was doing this. It was for Micah Joy. And so when my calf started hurting, I thought about her, and I thought, you know, what she's doing is 10 times more difficult than what I'm doing. And she's pushing through, so I'm going to push through too. So when my 
calf quit or started hurting, I focused on her. I focused on reaching my goal, and I pushed through the pain, which fortunately quit about a half mile or so out. In this race for the cause of Christ, there's going to be many distractions along the way that will take our focus off of Jesus. In fact, the Lord was so sweet to give me a great analogy this morning. I got out to go for my run, and uh, the neighbor's dog, which is a big puppy, was loose. It normally isn't, but in fact, this is the first time it, it was. And so I, I run by their house, and here comes this huge puppy. Now, first of all, I am not an animal person. Do not have pets, never want a pet. I don't care if I ever pet your dog. I'm, that's just not me. So my first thought is, great. This has happened before and just irritates the heck out of me. So uh, I, I, I assume you people who are pet people know that puppies don't really know or pay attention to a lot that you say. So my get, go home, was doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And because he was free, he or she, I have no idea. I'm going to call it a he. That dog was running like a maniac. I guess because, look, someone's taking me for a run. Yippee! Oh, my goodness. So this dog is just going 90 to another, nothing. I mean, zipping right in front of me where I have to slow down or watch so I don't trip myself because I don't care about the dog. I'm, I'm caring about myself. I don't want to fall on the concrete, right? Zipping in front of me, running in back of me, and then there's this puddle of muddy water every time because I make this little loop. I don't go out by myself. I stay in the neighborhood. So every time I go by this loop, there's this big puddle of water. The dog gets it and laps it up and then sits in it, walls himself, and then gets up to shake it off. And I have to move to the other side of the road so I don't get muddy water. Well, when I started this and I saw this dog and I thought, okay, you know, the neighbors aren't up yet. This is how it's going to be. I almost went home and thought, this is not worth it. But then the Lord reminded me of what I was teaching this morning. Keep focused on the race. Thought, you are really funny, God. Okay, fine. So for 30 minutes, I had this puppy zipping behind me and in front of me and in the water. And I like to have not gotten my house without it following me into the house. You can't, I couldn't sneak away from it. But that's how it is. You and I have an enemy that does not want us running this race. Not only does he not want us running the race, he sure doesn't want us running a good race. So he's standing off on the sideline, waving at you, throwing distractions your way, and he knows exactly what to distract you with. Things that will tempt you specifically, doing everything he can to keep us from focusing on the race. Because let me tell you, it's difficult. It was difficult this morning with just a little old dog. But in life, there are things that will compete for our time and our energy and our resources and our attention to keep our focus off of running the race and onto whatever those things are. You see, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it doesn't mean that we just forget about everything else. 
We don't do that because we have jobs and we have families and we have activities and we have responsibilities in the community. But when we keep our focus on Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God, as another scripture tells us, then all of these things will fall into their proper place. But when our focus becomes our job, our, those relationships, those activities, then guess what? All of our time and our energy and our resources and attention is directed towards that focus because that's what a focus is. Your eyes are fixed on something, so you're going to devote everything to it. And then guess what? God gets the leftovers of all of those things, or he gets nothing. And that's not how it's supposed to be. He says, fix your focus on Jesus. Because if you're not careful, we'll get caught up in the rat race of life instead of the right race of life. And the problem with the rat race, rat, rat race is that even if you win, you're still just a rat. But the prize for the right race is eternal perfection. Now that's a prize worth going for and giving it all you got. Some of you are thinking this morning, man, I really need to get back in the race. And others of you are running the race, but you're not running your best pace. And you think, you know, I don't want all of these other things to distract me from what's really important in life. But Lisa, it's difficult. It's hard. And I will not argue with you there. It is difficult. It is tough. But I have good news. We're here to help. Cornerstone Fellowship exists for the cause of Christ. Our job is to help you not only stay in the race, but to run the race effectively. We're here to equip you and to train you to run a great race because we're all in this together. So we have devised a strategy what we call the four-step process to help you not only stay in the race, but to run an effective race. You've seen our signs out in the foyer. You see them. If you've got a bulletin, it's in your bulletin this morning. You've seen them on our website. And some of you may be thinking, we just made that stuff up, stuff up for the heck of it. They're just printed words out there. No, they're not. That is a strategy that we devise to help all of us stay focused on the race that is set in front of us. And those four steps are developed based off of our church's four core values. And these core values are the guiding principles of our church. They shape everything we do. When you value something, you do everything you can to preserve it. You focus your attention on it and you do whatever it takes to keep it, right? We all have values. Well, our church has values. We have four core values, and we devise this strategy, this four-step process off of those four core values. And we call it a process because it's a spiritual journey. It's not a one-time event. It's a lifelong process and a, a marathon, as we've been talking about this morning. So, this morning, I'm going to share with you our core values and the four steps that correlate with those core values so that you'll know those signs mean something. And we're going to be talking about it a lot this year because we are going to get in shape for this race. Some of you are in great shape. Some of you are in not so great shape. Some of you are walking, and we're going to pick up the pace, right? 
And we're going to do it by being involved in this four-step process. So core value number one, every person has a right to a presentation of the gospel at his or her level of understanding. Because of this value, one example I'll give you, we have a children's church. Those people are not back there just babysitting. Your children are learning about Jesus on a level that they can understand. And that's why we always encourage parents, take your kids to children's church because they're going to learn about Jesus. Because we value their right to have a presentation of the gospel at a level they can understand. A six-year-old does not understand what Alan's going to be teaching. But they have a person in that class who explains Jesus and the love of God on a way, in, a in a way that they can understand. That's why we value that. That's why we have that. So step number one that correlates with our core values to become a believer. You accept Jesus as your Savior and ask him to be uh, Lord of your life. So this is the first step in anyone's spiritual journey, and it's the start of the race. Core value number two, we believe every person needs a knowledge of God's word to successfully guide him or her through life. Now let's face it. We're all going to go through life, but how successful you go through life depends on your knowledge of God's Word. We believe that with everything within us. Because you see, the Bible is our instruction book for life. It tells us how to have a great marriage. It tells us what to do about our finances. It helps us with parenting. The Bible gives us everything we need for, that pertains to life and godliness, the Scripture tells us. So... If you want to have a great life, if you want to have a successful marriage, then you got to have a knowledge of God's Word. So our second step, because of this core value, is to become a disciple. Now, a disciple is someone who studies and learns and follows after their teacher because they want to be like their teacher. And, of course, we want to become disciples of Christ. So in this step... We begin to develop the habits of praying every day, reading the Bible every day, and attending church on a regular basis. Practicing these habits is like exercising every day. They're going to give you the endurance you need for the marathon that we're in. Praying every day will help you know the voice of God. How can God coach you if you don't even know what his voice sounds like? How can God coach you if you're not listening to him? when he's speaking to you. Reading the Bible every day will not only help you know God, but it's going to help you grow strong muscles for the race so that you can run, be strong in the race. It will show you the encumbrances that are weighing you down. It will point out sins that are easily entangling you so that you can lay those things aside and run the race with endurance. Attending church on a regular basis will keep you focused because we're all in this environment, we come here for one purpose, to worship God. Attending church on a regular basis will keep you focused on the race, and we're going to condition you for the race. Because if you will participate in this four-step process, what you'll find out is you don't have time to get out of the race because there are people around you who are not going to let you. You've got to get involved. That's why we need to be here on a regular basis. We encourage you to do two things in this step. Number one is attend our midweek service. And number two is get involved in a community group. 
You have access to people who can teach you God's word twice a week. Both in here and from nursery all the way up. It's like free race training. Take advantage of it. Bring your family. Grow in God's word because that he is our cause above everything else. And then we place a high, high priority on small groups because discipleship happens best in small group environments. You have people who will encourage you when you go through a tough time. You have people who are going to challenge you. You have people who are going to hold you accountable. Sometimes, probably going to step on some toes here, but here we go. There are people who leave our church because they got sick or went through something and, and nobody checked on them. And when I find out who it is, I go, and who is that? Do they serve anywhere? To, no, I think they just come and go. Well, if we don't even know you're running in the race beside us, if you're not in the lane beside us, how can we? Because we want to, but two people can't do it. That's why we have groups of people. When I see prayer requests that come up, my first thought is, oh, they're in that volunteer team or they're in that community group. I don't have to worry that they're not going to be checked up on or taken care of because someone knows they're gone. And if you're not plugged in, if you're not entwining your life with other believers, then when you are gone, someone might not miss you. And we want to miss you. We want to support you when you go through your difficult time. We want to be there to pray for you when you're going through a sickness. But you got to do your part. you got to get in the lane and get in the race. Core value number three. Every believer has unique gifts to be developed and used to strengthen the church. Ephesians 2.10 says, You are created for good works, and you have been especially designed by God to do those good works. So our third step is to become a servant. And in this step, we volunteer to serve and financially support the church. Now let's talk about serving. We serve God by serving others. If you think you're serving God but not doing anything for anybody else, you're deceiving yourselves because it doesn't work that way. The only way you can serve God is by serving other people. And when we serve others, not only are we strengthening the other runners in the race, but that makes us all corporately strong. And we get to experience the joy and fulfillment from doing what we were called to do, which was do those good works. And then to financially support the church means we give our tithe. The tithe is 10% of our increase. And God says, that part belongs to me, not you. So when you don't give God your tithe, you're robbing God. Not a good idea. God knows. Here's the thing, though. Tithing is really a matter of the heart, not the wallet. God knows that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. And he wants our treasure to be in him, not in our finances. Core value number four. Every believer has a part to play in the Great Commission. And, of course, the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28. Basically, we're to go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. So our fourth step is to become a witness. And in this step, we invite people to church and we share our faith. One of the easiest things that you can do to be a part of the Great Commission is invite people to church. Because you see, we provide an environment where not only are we teaching on practical things that will really help people with their marriages and with their finances and with their kids and everything else in life, 
But every time we are going to present the gospel, we're going to share how people can come to know Christ. So even if you're not comfortable with sharing that with someone, all you have to do is invite them to church and we'll do it for you. How easy is that? The other part of that is to be a witness. Get in the cloud of witnesses. Be an example. Sometimes it's not what we say. It's just the way that we live our lives. Let people around you see and know that God is at work in, within you. Let them live your life in such a way that they're interested in the race that you're running. Be a witness. Participating in the four-step process will help you, help me, help all of us stay focused on the race that has been placed in front of us. They're not just little steps just for the fun of it. They truly are devised to help us stay on target with the most important thing in life because the race is so worth running. And it's not just worth it for me. It's worth it for the people I love. Because you see, how I run the race affects everyone else around me. If you don't think it does, try not reading your Bible. Try not praying. Try not going to church on a regular basis and see how that works for your kids. You know, sometimes we think, well, I don't know, but I'm going to expect my kids to do something different. Really? And you're modeling that? You better believe how we run the race affects everybody around us. It affects your coworkers. They're watching you. People are watching us to see if they want to even get in the race or not. So run the race well, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. Alan, Micah, Macy, and Aaron all came to the race with me to cheer me on. But they weren't the only ones. All along the race route... There are people standing there. Some of them brought their lawn chairs. Some of them are just standing. But as you run by, they're going, Woo! Good job! Keep it up! And then there are water stations and Gatorade stations along the race route, too. And so they'll hand you your water or Gatorade, although that doesn't work for me. I tried it once. I got so choked, I thought I was going to have to fall over at the side. I can't run and drink at the same time. So I just have to wave at them. But as they give you that stuff, they're saying, Great job! Keep it up! You can make it! But oh, Oh, the finish line. You can feel the excitement there. And people are standing along the way, right before it, you start hearing people cheering. People are standing there going, only a half mile, only a quarter mile, and inside you're thinking, I am almost there, because by this point, I knew I was pushing myself cardio-wise this time too. But you know, you're thinking just a little bit longer. I'm almost there. These people are encouraging you. Now, before I started the race that day, I told my family, now, if I have a stellar day, because if you're a runner, you know some days you have good run days and other days are just awful. I was praying not for one of those days, but you just never know. Sometimes it's just that way. So I told them, if I have a stellar run day, I might finish that race in about two hours 10 to 15 minutes. That would, I, I thought I could pull off about a 10-minute mile pace, which is what I think I run at home. I don't really know because I don't go distance. I just do time. But I said, you all can start watching for me then because it was at the aquarium and they could piddle around uh, and wait for me, but obviously they weren't going to park it there for two hours. So I said, you all can start looking for me about uh, that time. But let me tell you something about race day. <clears throat> you are not running the race alone. 
and the energy from not only the other runners in the race, but all of the people who came to cheer them on is energizing. It gets your adrenaline pumping. So I'm looking at my watch, and I know I'm ahead of that 10-minute mi uh, mile pace. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm doing pretty good. But around mile 10-ish or so, I quit looking at my watch, and I started focusing on finishing the race. Because, like I said, I was pushing myself cardio-wise this time, and I knew that I was. I thought, okay, I can keep this up just a couple of more miles. So I'm rounding the corner with a quarter mile to go, and I start looking for my family. And I'm thinking, I hope they're there. And I mean, I knew they would be, but the time I gave them, I, I thought, I, I might be off some. And I see them, and they see me. And I run by because Micah, Aaron, and, or no, Macy, Aaron, and Alan are a little bit in front of the finish line. They've got Micah at the finish line with the video recorder, right? So I run by them, and they're going. Let's see if I can do this without crying. <laughs> Good job, Mom! Woohoo! Awesome job, Mom! I mean, they are making a huge scene, but it's no big deal because other people are making a big scene for the people they're there to encourage too. So uh, anyway, here's a picture. This is my, I did it pose as I run by them. And then I cross the finish line and I hear Lisa Nolan because they call your name when you finish the, cross the finish line. So my family comes over and they're hugging, sweaty me and, uh, you know, saying, great job, mom. And then they say, mom, did you know you ran the race in about two hours? I said, no, I didn't. I mean, I was shocked, and I found out later I ran it two hours, one minute, and 34 seconds to be exact. But I was amazed. I am no Jason Proctor runner. I'm not an Amanda Jones athlete, but that was a great time for me, especially with having two weeks of training. But you know, it was everyone at the race that day. It was all the other runners. It was all the encouragers that were there. It was my precious family. We're all in this race for the cause of Christ, and there's no greater cause than this. We will not burn eternally in hell because of what Jesus did for us, and that alone deserves my focus above every, every, everything else in life. So whether you've been discouraged whether you've been weighed by, down by encumbrances, whether you've been entangled by sin, God is cheering you on today to get back on the track and start running the race again. Pick up the pace. Do what you need to do to lighten the load and refocus. If you're not involved in the four-step process, do something about it today. In fact, that's your homework. All of you have something in the back of your mind, because I do too. I should be doing, whether it's read your Bible every day, I should, I should volunteer, I should get in a group, I should lead a group, whatever that is that God just, the Holy Spirit keeps bringing to your mind, do one of those things today. Get a bulletin and mark on there, I need to start volunteering. We're not going to eat up your time, we'll ask for one hour a month. Drop by the groups counter, check out the groups, whatever it may be. Lighten your load, refocus, and get back in the race and do something about it. Because you see, besides the first step, the other three are steps that we never stop doing. We never stop becoming a disciple or a servant or a witness. So do something about it. My daughter Macy goes to the State Special Olympics every year. She loves it. And you talk about a source of inspiration. You can find it in that environment. So every year she comes back with precious and funny stories to tell us, and this year was no exception. 
And she said, Mom, <clears throat> this year there was a, a little lady, and she was an older lady, and said she was running a race, or actually she was walking it. But she said she was out there and said she was just giving it all she had. And said when she saw the finish line, she started shouting out to the people at the finish line, Get ready! I'm coming! Get ready! I'm coming! Get ready! I'm coming! She said just on and on. She said it was the most precious thing you've ever saw. Church, I pray that today we've all been encouraged to give everything we've got for the race, for the cause of Christ. And that will run towards the finish line shouting, Get ready, Jesus. I am coming. Amen.